There are so many things that we are afraid of. So many ways that we fear. If you start to research different fears of humans, you'll find a lot of options. But this one, perhaps you've heard of it, this one is one of the ones that cracked me up the most. Nomophobia. Fear of being without a working cell phone. Anyone suffer from nomophobia? Yeah, a few of you are willing to admit it. You're like, what, I left my, no. It's like the scene, like you just, you don't feel like yourself. What happened? I don't have my phone with me. The world is not right. All things that we're afraid of. I was fascinated by this article. A study published in the Journal of Consumer Research found that people buy things in troubled times as a means of exerting control over our lives. That a control that we feel that we've lost, we feel like we regain by purchasing. It's not always new clothes or electronics or going out and relieving stress like the, the trope goes, like where you just go to the mall and you feel better and the retail therapy that people talk about. But it's often the basics. Researchers find that utility items, specifically cleaning products, can be the item of purchase as well. Perhaps that's why we had the toilet paper crisis of 2020. The most basic of cleaning products, as we face our fundamental fears, we hold tightly to the teepee because we need to hold on to something. There's an enemy forcing us to stay home, shutting down our lives as we know it. Nothing feels normal. We feel disconnected from people. And in the wake of this, we buy toilet paper. True story. But there wasn't ever a toilet paper shortage. Supply was still coming in and shelves were restocking, but the limit to per customer was to help to keep the supply in check because we were buying out of fear. We were responding to the anxiety by making purchases. And it's actually a normal human response. Jeff Anderson was quoted by the Times saying, you're not using more of it, you're just filling up your closet with it. He's the president of a paper product manufacturing company. What happens in the summer when demand dries up and people have, used, have all this extra product in their homes? You'll stop buying it. But people, we humans, are infected with something called fear. And that Fear can shift and change depending on the life season we're in, but we all feel fear. We're inclined towards it. We naturally find ourselves there. We're social creatures and we look to one another to give an indication of whether we're safe or not. So when we started to look towards each other to know, would I have enough for my family? Would I have enough for whatever we're facing right now? People looked around and said, I need to make sure that I have enough toilet paper, Clorox, other things. Fear is a human problem. Perhaps that's why the phrase do not be afraid shows up so much in the story of Jesus' birth. I love how this shows up. When Zachariah encounters the angel in the lives of Mary and Joseph, in the angels coming to those shepherds in the field, do not fear, do not fear. It appears again and again because God knows we are inclined to fear. 
I don't think it was just this reaction to, of course you're terrified, because the entire sky is full of angelic beings, or, oh wow, you weren't expecting anyone in your home, but here I am with a pronouncement from heaven. It wasn't just the literal fear, but it was a pronouncement that the reign of fear in human hearts is over. That with the birth of Jesus, we do not have to fear anymore. Let's turn to that story in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. It's one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, as you and I might be too. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Can you imagine in your field, can you imagine suddenly the entire sky filled with angels and the glory of God? It's no wonder, do not be afraid, was declared for the shepherds. Fear, once and for all, has been driven from the scene of the human story when a baby shows up in a manger. Not just get up off the ground, you terrified beings. You actually have the favor of God. And fear no longer needs to rule over you. But we are afraid, aren't we? If we pause and admit it, we are afraid. We end 2022 with fears that we could name right now. We fear all sorts of things. Everything from making, having enough money to make it through the end of the month or having enough to retire or the safety of our loved ones. Whether we're getting married, whether we'll make it through school, we fear being alone, whether people will like us, whether we can make a difference in the world. Are we doing the right thing with our lives? The trouble is being afraid doesn't solve anything. We can't stop things from happening in the future just because we fear what might happen. So when the angel says, do not be afraid, not only to the shepherds or to Mary or to Zach Zachariah, but to you and I, 
he's saying that the baby in the manger, Jesus Christ himself, is here to set us free from this fear. Fear from many things. Time permits me to only name three. Jesus sets us free from fear of the future. There's another word for future fear, and that is worry. How many of you are good at worrying? Anyone good at worrying? Worry is being afraid of what might happen, of what we are convinced could be. When we know God only knows the future, we can still speculate. We can still expect the worst. We can forecast and perhaps wonder if, could that be what happens? Matthew 6, Jesus reminds us, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he directs us to the air and it reminds us of all these things that look at the birds of the air. They don't toil or reap or gather into barns, but your heavenly father watches over them, cares for them. You are more valuable than these. So we're invited that we are set free from worry about the future. There's this song, it goes... He's got the whole world in his hands. That God truly has the whole world held. You, your loved ones, your future, held in the hands of God. We are set free from worry and fear about the future. The second one is a bit hard. The fear of death. Death for humanity is an ultimate unknown fear. Fear rises up in our minds when we imagine our own death or when we lose a loved one to death or when we, for some, have nightmares about taking your last breath or what would happen if you don't have this person or what would happen if they don't have you. It started in a manger, but God didn't end the story there. God entered into our fear and our helplessness and our vulnerability in the manger. But the cross and the empty tomb are sure signs that death is conquered. Reverend Catherine Willis Pershey states it this way, and I love this quote. God has spoken plainly in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that death does not have the final word. I remind you of that today before I even continue on with the quote because we're never ready to lose someone. No matter if they live 96 years or just a few short years, we're never ready for this. But death does not have the final word. The darkness does not overcome the light, she says. Those who mourn now will be blessed. Those who weep now will be comforted. For the son of Mary comes. Jesus brings peace. Death is defeated. And the third fear that we are freed from through Jesus Christ is the fear of being alone. Jesus comes to connect us forever with God. Those who went off into hiding, those who hid from God because of their sin, now are joined with God forever through Jesus Christ. That because of what Jesus was willing to do, he came close to us, he came among us, that we are forever tied with this God. The text refers to the announcement as good news. This is the verbal form of the word gospel. Gospel. 
One commentary highlights the significance of this term, saying this term is not culturally insignificant since the birth of the emperor Augustus was announced with the report of good news, the arrival of a savior. Luke's remarks intend a similar declaration over this baby's greatness. This is why all people can be filled with joy. Jesus may be lying in an animal trough, but heaven is present at his birth. The angel's announcement makes it clear. They want the shepherds to go and see it for themselves. They want commoners, the average Joe, the average Jane, to come out and take a front row seat on what God is doing in the world. The angels can't contain their joy. That's why I love this scene so much. They strike up a song and all of God's glory fills the sky. And just like we heard the mom's group singing so beautifully, can you imagine angels Angels singing this song in glory, in harmony, just beautifully. Look, they seem to say. Look at what's taking place in redemptive history. Look at what God is doing. Would you notice what God is up to? Go check it out for yourselves. And the shepherd's journey is our journey because as they go to see and find out it's just as has been told them, we're invited to take that same journey to find out that God is up to something beautiful. We're invited to take the journey, and you know what we find out? We find out that God's favor also rests on us. That as the announcement came, that we also are those of incredible worth and value. You are the highly favored of God. You are the ones on whom God's favor rests today because the announcement comes to you of good news of great joy for all people, including you and I. Jesus has come to make a way for all of us. My dad loved construction projects. He worked as a foreman and he did this other, so as a kid, he would pull over and I would find myself looking at construction projects. Anyone else love construction? Do you love building? Do you love seeing how things, anyone? All five of you, great. All six, seven, okay, great. A few, a few more, okay, good. Um, I remember this distinctly because I-5, uh, like somewhere Federal Way, Tukwila, I don't ex remember the exact place, but I remember the experience as a child, probably around Josiah's age when he pulled over, and I'm like, what are we doing, Dad? He's like, it's so great. Check this out, Tara. This is amazing. And I'm like, what? And he goes, do you see what they did with that retaining wall? Yes, I wouldn't have noticed, but now I am. And then he would describe like what they had to do in order to do that, like seriously. So it was the funnest thing. Like whenever we had church remodel projects, he would love these projects right now. We would walk through and look after I started pastoring and like we would do projects. He was like, oh wow, I love it. So I love these things like when we check out this. And so knowing those stories from history and checking out what happened, seeing what kind of things could happen. Like when we were in Shanghai, we went together and there's this tall, this tallest building in Shanghai and thinking about how they would do this safety, safely. How could they build something so tall um, but keep everybody safe? 
So he started to read about the Golden Gate Bridge back in the 1930s when they started constructing this. And that was the serious time when safety considerations on construction sites started to come into being. Because they had this saying that for every million dollars spent on a project, one person would lose their life, if not more. Because there was just this massive project going on, but they didn't have yet the safety regulations in place to keep them protected. And so engineers on the Golden Gate Bridge said, we have to lower these risks, like we have to protect people. So in 1932, these are the safety measures that were put into place. Mandatory use of hard hats and prescription filtered eyeglasses, the implementation of a no showboating policy, you would be immediately fired if you were taking this really lightly, use of tie-off lines and the establishment of an on-site hospital. But the thing that helped the most was a $130,000 net. And this net was draped 60 feet below the roadbed under construction, expanding, extending 10 feet on either side of the Golden Gate Bridge site. And this net caught so many workers that the newspapers began a little box where they had a running score of the total number of lives saved by this net. Best $130,000 spent because the people were kept safe. Workers saved by the net were said to have joined the halfway to hell club as they fell down. And what this signifies, the reason it was called this, and this was the greatest effect that they had, the positive effect of this net, was not only lives saved, but it said that beyond the saving of lives, the net freed workers of the often paralyzing sense of fear and helped them to be able to focus on their work. What was happening is you watch your friend fall, you watch someone die, you can't do your work effectively anymore. You're paralyzed by fear. Once you saw your friend fall and his life was saved by the net, you were suddenly able and free to do the work you needed to do because you know that there is something that will catch you when you fall. There's something that will keep you safe even when you fall. The safety net allowed workers to work differently. I believe that's what's happening in this manger scene. That's what's happening as we watch Jesus live and die and rise to life. We recognize that there's this intersection in the story of humanity that we had all fallen, that we had all come to this point where we couldn't save ourselves. And in Jesus, this net extended, this safety, the holding of God to where we do not have to be paralyzed by feel, fear anymore. You're freed to live and to work and to serve and to love differently. Even though right now we often are held in suspense we don't see the ultimate conclusion of that hope. But we know that we are held. And what happens in the story of Jesus is Jesus joining our vulnerability, Jesus joining our story, and God spreads out a net for us so that we don't have to be afraid anymore. You see, this story of Jesus is our story. A God who comes and joins us in the fear, joins us in the struggle, joins us right where we are and transforms it because our lives don't have the same ending because of Jesus. A net of safety, a way opened through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. 
The story told to us today is as if we were on those hills in Bethlehem that night. Glory, good news, do not be afraid. We take that same journey, each one of us. We make that choice to see what God is doing, to see that God surely does keep the promises of all days past and the fulfillment of those has come even now to you and to me. The sense of amazement of the shepherds, we are invited to have that as our own. They bow down before Jesus as they see what God was doing and we are invited to bring a generous offering of praise as well. Famous and beloved blind hymn writer Fanny Crosby writes these words, which maybe you've sung before too. I love her hymns. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. We today each one of us are invited to make that choice, to enter into the life gate, to say, yes, this is my story too. Now, this is the testimony of a woman who knew darkness, who knew struggle, she knew pain, and yet the story of her own witness gives the greatest evidence of the love of God as we see it in her. So God sent Jesus a part of God's self to be born in Bethlehem that night to offer us great gifts. More than even what you might open, as Pastor Mike talked about, the great gifts that we can never repay God for, but that continue to change our lives. Freedom from fear, the joy of salvation, beauty and praise, love, knowing you are loved. The baby in the manger who now cares for us as good shepherd, God's work that continues to transform our lives just like God has done through all generations up till now. You see, we belong to this great train of witnesses spanning all the ages who lift up our voices, these witnesses who from times past, all the way from those shepherds, all the way up till now, who offer our gift of praise at the birth of Jesus. One day, when Jesus returns, we will stand shoulder to shoulder with these men and women of every generation and every nation as we see Jesus face to face. But right now, I invite you to lift up your heart in praise. Let's get some practice on our praise because right now, right now at the manger scene, the manger that leads to the cross, that leads to the empty tomb, that leads to the sky once again filled with glory, we are invited in light of this to drop our fears, to think about what we might be holding on to, worried or anxious or fearful about, and to hear the pronouncement of God over us too. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I keep my promises. Do not be afraid. Come see. It's all happening as we have said. Come and see what God is doing. So today God says to you, See who I am. Do not fear.